0: scripture this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're so grateful to be in your presence. Whenever we're gathered together, you promise to be with us, and so we're thankful that you're here. We take a moment just to pray specifically for this school uh, that you've put us in, now for our 10th, beginning our 10th school year here at Sheridan, that you've called us to love and pray for, and so we pray for tomorrow, which is a huge day, with hundreds of kids who are coming to school here tomorrow, and teachers, and administrators, and engineers who are going to be ready to receive them. God, we pray for shalom peace in the school. We pray for nerves to go down. We pray for people to get where they need to go. We pray for kids to have a sense of excitement about what they can learn here in this school. And we pray that your presence would be felt by everybody who comes in the building tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. How is everybody? Pretty good? It's the end of August. It's state fair time. Raise your hand if you've been to the state fair already. Raise your hand if you're going to the State Fair. Raise your hand if you hate the State Fair. A couple of you. All right. Do respect? We've been having a conversation, if you haven't been with us, called Steps of Faith over the last couple of months. And we've been talking about that in terms of trying to move forward in our relationship with God. So not steps like a ladder up to somewhere where God is, but a group of people Trying to travel together in following Jesus, taking whatever step is next. So whether you've been a Christian a really long time, or you've just been a Christian a short time, or you're exploring Christianity, the series and conversation has been about how do we help each other take the next step that God is inviting us to take. And we've talked about a whole series of steps that we as a church celebrate and acknowledge. Things like deciding to follow Jesus for the first time, baptism, communion, receiving confession, joining a church family as a covenant member, uh, talking about the ways in which we can acknowledge these steps as we're moving forward. So today, we're going to talk about worship as a step of faith. And we're going to talk about worship in two ways. We're going to talk about worship as a lifestyle, as a perspective on your whole life. And we're also going to talk about what we're doing right now. So gathering together as a spiritual practice to worship God together. And so I want to start by saying that worship is primarily about what's in your heart. Okay? If you don't take anything else away from this sermon, worship is primarily about what's in your heart, what you care about the most, and what we collectively care about the most. Worship is about what we're prioritizing in Our lives what we give worth to which is one of the ways to understand the meaning of the word worship what you give worth to And when you understand worship that way you, re- you recognize then that everyone is worshiping something Humans are worshiping beings we are designed and created to order our lives around something We are devoting ourselves to something, hopefully, outside of ourselves. And if you have conversations with people, no matter what their religious background is, you inevitably end up in some question, some conversation about what is bigger than me? And how do I order myself around something bigger than me? There's an author named David Foster Wallace who's raised by two atheists and wrote ridiculously long books, uh, but commented on this Uh, everyday nature of worship in a quote that I thought would be helpful this morning. He says in the day-to-day trenches of adult life There's no such thing as atheism There's no such thing as not worshiping Everybody worships the only choice we get is what to worship So in your community time question this morning I was inviting you to reflect on what people who know you well would say you love. that, that you, That's in your heart, the things that you care about the most. If you talk to the people who know you the best, what would they say that you love? Not in kind of casual conversation that I just invited you into where you're talking about hobbies and sports teams and kids or whatever, right? I, I get it. It's just, just community time. But if you're having an in-depth Real, honest conversation with people who know you well. And you said, I really want to know, from your perspective, what do you think that I love? What would they say? That's one way to get a mirror of your own heart, what's in your own heart. It can be sometimes hard to see what's in your own heart if you have blind spots, which we all do. So inviting someone who you trust and who loves you to say, here's what it, it seems to me like you love. Is that right? Would be a really great conversation for you to have this week with somebody. You've heard me say, those of you who've been around for a while, that another way to get at what you care about the most or what you love is to take your credit card statement and your calendar and do an audit for the last week or the last month and say, if someone didn't know me and they just looked at my calendar and my credit card statement, what would they say I care about? So take a visa statement, grab an iCal, and have an honest conversation with yourself about what your life, what you're doing with your resources reflects about what you care about. So questions for today's conversation are what, what's in your heart? If we're gonna talk about worship as a step of faith, we start with what's in your heart? What do you prioritize most of the time? Whatever that is, the answers to those questions that's what you're worshiping. That's where you're starting from. And the challenge is, one of the challenges of 21st century life is that almost every minute, maybe every second of the day, someone, somewhere, is competing for your time, for your resources. And I want to take it one step further and say, they're competing for your love. Love. When you, when you sense people trying to get your attention, whether that's a person or a marketer or, a, or an ad, they don't just want you to buy their thing. They want you to buy their version of the good life, don't they? And so they're after not just your money or your time. They're after your heart. And all of us are walking around in this world every day with thousands and hundreds of thousands of these messages com- contributing to the way that you see the world and trying to get your attention and your love. If everyone worships something, what do you choose to worship? So I want to read from Isaiah 29 this morning. Thousands of years ago, God was having this same conversation with the people of Israel. And I just want to jump right into this text. It's just one verse. In verse 13 of 29... God says through Isaiah, the Lord says, these people, meaning the people, the Israelites of the time, these people, they come near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. Just leave that scripture up there for a minute, will you, Rowan? Another way to to translate that last verse is, they worship me in vain. Their worship is pointless. And their teachings are merely human rules. So when you look at those words on the screen, and you hear this challenge from 25, 26, 2700 years ago, God's trying to say to the people who he's called his own people, You all have forgotten or been distracted. Your heart has been pulled in the wrong direction. You knew what it was like to be in right relationship with me, but now all these other things that have happened in your life have pulled you in different ways. You worship other gods, you have idols, you have different priorities. You have all sorts of things that are competing with me being the primary thing that you love, the thing that you love more than anything else. Jesus uses the same scripture in both Matthew and Mark to critique the Pharisees, the religious rulers of his time, when they were upset because his disciples weren't washing their hands right. They weren't cleansing their hands ceremonially before eating the particular meal that they were eating. And so they said to Jesus, kind of as a gotcha, right? Like, how come you can't even teach your disciples to wash their hands right? Don't you guys have to follow the same rules that we all follow? And Jesus quotes this text and says... You care so much more about the rules than you do about me or about God or about doing the thing that God loves the most or cares about the most. Your heart is so separated from your following of the rules, you don't even realize it. So as I was thinking about this text, and Ashish and I were been talking in the last few weeks about how easy it is to slip into routines and to allow things to become priorities in your life that aren't really love for God. I was trying to think, what would God say to 21st century people? What would God say to us or anybody, whether they were Christian people or not, about this same issue of having worship being separated from, from your heart? And I want to say this with as much grace as I possibly can. So I'm, I'm critiquing myself as much as I am anybody else. But I think, I think the conversation that a lot of us have about being busy would be something that Jesus would address. And here's why I think that. I think he would say, listen, you all actually have the same amount of time that every other human has ever had in the history of the world. That has not changed. The sun's still going down, coming up, the same rhythm. But are we using, at times, busyness... I'm busy. I'm busy. Has anybody this last week said, I'm busy. I'm too busy for that, right? I have. I did. There's sometimes when I'm saying I'm busy, when if I was going to be not Minnesota nice, I would just say, I don't care about that thing enough to do what you're asking me to do. Right? Look at the people from out of town are like, please, people, what is wrong with Minnesotans? Sometimes we ought to say, I don't care about your thing, or I care so much about this other thing that I spend most of my time and money on that I really don't, I can't do what you're asking me to do, or I can't invest myself in something else. That's just honest, right? We all have the same amount of time, we're all using it somehow. So I wonder if we could just switch the conversation once in a while, as, with as much grace as we can, to say, do we mean that we're busy, or do we just mean that we have other priorities? Honest conversation. Do we mean that we don't have time to do that or can we just say, I don't care about that or I do care about this. And then we're in a spot where we can say, okay, do your priorities reflect love for God or something else? That's the challenge of this Isaiah text. You can say the right things, you can show up even at church stuff, but do you really love me? Is your heart In that same place I think people in the 21st century are less into so it would have been much harder for people in this time that this text was written to avoid going to temple socially it would have been much harder so they went anyway right they had to go now you don't have to go to church you can go to brunch you can go to yoga you got a lot of options right you don't have to go to church and there's lots of people, and I'm in lots of conversations with people who are saying, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I want to keep going on Sunday morning. I don't there's other things I'd like to do. Sometimes you have to miss worship. That's not what this is about. What I'm saying is, people are less likely to pretend that they're Christians in our culture than these folks would have had to been in their situation. But then what's happening is now we have a more fundamental question. So if we're not going to pretend if people aren't going to go to church just to keep the parents happy or the grandparents happy or they're not they're not going to do the things just out of ritual, but then there's still a fundamental question, right? So so then what? What are what are you doing? What what are you orienting your life around? Or the most fundamental question is so so what do you love? What what is it that your life is about? And for me, who's obviously biased as a pastor of a Christian church, I want to say the only thing to orient your life around is faith in Christ. It's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only thing that gives the right sort of meaning and purpose. It's the only story that can tell you who you are and send you into the world with the purpose that God has in mind for you. I think we have to be honest and ask some questions about the way we're using language. Are we saying busy when we mean we just don't want to prioritize it? Are we, are we refusing to go through the motions and then we need to say, well, so then what is it we love? What is it we're really dedicating ourselves to? I want to say that with as much grace as I possibly can. I had a conversation this last week with somebody in our church and I said to them, do you know that everyone who knows you, everyone that I know that knows you, thinks that what you're doing with your life is so honoring to God. Do you know that? Everyone who knows you thinks the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, the way you talk to people, the way you invest in your relationships reflects who Jesus is back to the rest of us. Do you know that? You need to know that. So for some of us, this might be a really challenging conversation. For others of us, you need to turn to the person next to you on your way out and say, you're one of those people who lives their life in a way that reflects Jesus back to the rest of us. Thank you. In John chapter 21, I want to skip texts for a second to John chapter 21. It's the text where, it's the very end of the book. It's the text where Peter and Jesus are reconnecting after Peter has denied Jesus three times before he was killed. And Jesus is asking some very pointed questions of Peter. I'll just read the story. Some of you will be new, some of you will be familiar. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these people, more than the rest of these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Take a step of faith and follow me. This question that Jesus asks had to be piercing for Peter, right? He already feels terrible that he denied even knowing Jesus when Jesus was in most need. And now this guy's standing in front of him, staring him in the face, three different times imagine someone you love in your life staring you in the face three different times and point blank asking you do you really love me that would be a just a heart wrenching conversation right do you love me every time peter says you know i do you know my heart you know i love you you know all things you know i love you And Jesus redirects him each time and says, okay, if you love me, then you have to prioritize the things that are most important to me in your life. You have got to care about the people that I care the most about, and you will even be led in some directions in your life that you wouldn't otherwise choose to go because you love me. That's what following me and taking a step of faith behind Jesus looks like. I couldn't go through this sermon without wrestling with this question personally, right? Like I hope you will do after you hear it. Do I love God? Do I love Jesus? When people look at my life, is that what they see? Do they see that in my heart? Many of you have known me for a very long time, so you could answer that question for me. But I remembered a story as as a kid, I think in junior high. So those of you who are in junior high or elementary school. For some reason, I started copying short pieces of the Bible onto paper and sticking it up on this desk I had in my room. And I'll have to call my mom later and ask her because I didn't ask her before this. But I don't think there was like an assignment. You had to copy everything down or or that was a Sunday school task. I think I just did it because people in my life, I I was fortunate enough, the adults in my life taught me how much God loved me from the time I was born. And by the time I was in middle school, I was learning and engaging with Scripture. I also did all kinds of really stupid stuff that middle school kids do. But I loved God already. And I wanted to copy down things and put them up so I could think about them and pray about them and learn from what God was trying to teach me through Scripture. And since then, I've been through all sorts of seasons of struggle. And most of my spiritual struggles have been When I tried to prioritize something else in my life as most important, even if that's not what I said I was doing, every time in my life I tried to make my own security, my family's security, which is a huge struggle for me, every time I tried to make money or career success or some relationship the priority in my life and I pushed God aside for some period of time, I found it lacking. I became miserable. And some people might say, well, that's just your emotion. That's just your feeling. That's not necessarily because God is real or God's true or Jesus uh, is the person to put your faith in. And I would disagree because I think it reveals what's actually in my heart, right? The truth of the thing was in my heart from a very young age and still is to the point now where I could tell you if I start to go down a wrong path in my life, which which I do from time to time, it's almost like I can't get away from the reality of God loving me and me loving God back. It defines my life. And so my whole adult life, I have dedicated myself to trying to figure out how to help people connect with God, how to help people read the Scripture in a way that makes sense to them, how to help create Christian communities. From the college I was in, it was fully atheist and agnostic, to Northeast Minneapolis, to say, how do we create communities where people can ask their questions, wrestle with their doubts, express what's really going on in their hearts, and allow their love to be shaped by the love of God in their life. How do we do that? That's what I've dedicated myself to and my family to because it's our priority. It's the thing we think is most important in life. And as I look out on you today, I know that so many of you could stand up here and say the same thing, that you have dedicated your lives to serving others, to lifting up the name of Jesus, to giving your gifts for the sake of other people so that people might know how great God is. So let me say this about worship. Worship as a practice, the thing we're doing today, why come here instead of going to brunch? Worship as a practice is a way to constantly reprioritize your life around your love for God if all these messages are coming at you every day, every second, you need some spiritual practice, not just by yourself, with other people who can reflect your heart back to you, to say, this is how I constantly remind myself of the story that defines my life so I can reprioritize over and over and over and over again my life so that the love that I have for God in Jesus Christ is reflected in the things that I'm doing every day. We need each other to do that We need each other more now than we did before because no one in this room can assume that Christianity is the norm in the worlds that you live in, right? In the worlds that you all spend your time in, no one is telling you every day. Jesus defines love. Now do your work in light of that. We need to rehearse and reprioritize our lives around the love of God every day. Let me invite the band to come back up. Why does worshiping require faith? Why is it a step of faith for us to do this? Because we're saying we believe this story. We believe this particular story that the Bible is telling. Peter is saying to Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, the one who can forgive us of our sins and connect us to who we really are so we can have purpose and meaning in the life that you've given to us so that we can live with you in eternity forever after. That's the claim of Scripture distinctly christian worship requires that we trust that story enough that when we reprioritize our life around following jesus that's the best way to live we're making a claim this morning aren't we this is the best way to live your life in the 21st century to put your life to center your life on jesus christ and allow god to lead you to be forgiven to be free to discover your gifts to join God's mission, to be part of God's salvation project for the entire world. That's the best story that you can buy in the 21st century among all the stories that are going to hit your phone this week. Let me finish by saying this. We've been talking about our love for God. I want to finish by saying very simply, God loves you. God loves you unconditionally. We can respond because we know that God's already established. This is how much I love you. I'm, I love you so much that I'm even willing to send my son to suffer and die so that we could be in right relationship with each other. I've already put my cards on the table. I love you more than you can even understand. And I am constantly waiting for you. I am constantly waiting for you to turn towards me, to receive my grace, to receive my mercy, and to join the work that I'm doing in the world. The good news is that God loves every single person. It's up to us whether we're gonna love God back, whether we're gonna worship God with our whole lives and reprioritize our lives so that everything we do reflects that love for God, amen? Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, our King, our Messiah, We can't do anything without your presence in our lives. Whatever we do is fruitless without you. So we we come to you in worship this this morning. We come to tell you that we love you. We come to reprioritize our lives around what you say is most important. We come to receive your forgiveness for our sins at your table that cost you the life of your son. We come to remember and open our hearts to the love that you have for us so that we might be changed people when we leave here this morning. That worship every week would remind us of who we are and remind us of the story we're in and remind us of who you are and the love that you have for us that we might be changed people when we walk out of the school each and every week. God, we love you and we submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.